0: The Lord actually woke me up last night, which I appreciated. But at the same time, I was a bit upset because I wanted my sleep. Um, I've, I've had this message that's been sitting on my heart now for about three weeks. And I was planning on preaching it this morning until last night at 12.30 a.m. when I was awoken. God God said this phrase to me and it stuck with me and you know that you know the times that God speaks to you and he says something and it's just it's it's a really simple phrase and it's not hard to understand but it just sticks in your spirit and you're like oh I can't let that go or I had one of those moments last night and I felt like the Lord said to me Nathan I want to awaken zeal for me in my church again I want to awaken zeal for me in my church again It stuck with me. And so I I wrestled with it. I got up and I began journaling and and just praying with God and working through what what is God? What do you mean by I want to awaken zeal for me in my church again? Who here knows what zeal means? You think you do? Think you do? It's not a really common word in the modern Bibles that we read. Zeal is often misunderstood for passion and they're often interchanged. They are different. And I didn't know that until last night at 1230 because I hadn't looked into the word zeal before. But zeal within our modern day, what what does zeal look like in our modern day? And, you know, I think that people, when they think about passion, when they think about zeal, they they look to, you know, people that are young, right? You know, the young adults are the passionate ones within church, or the young adults are the one that want to come up to the front and worship, or maybe they'll pray out loud, or maybe they'll jump around a bit, or maybe it's the, the youth or the kids, you know, they're the passionate ones. Or maybe in our modern day, the people that have zeal or passion are the new believers. You know, I remember when I first dedicated my life to God when I was six years old, I was convinced that I had to tell every man and his dog that Jesus saved me. You know, and when you when you're first saved and you, when you first have that realization of God's love for you, you can't help but share it. You know, so maybe zeal is reserved for those people. Maybe it's reserved for the new believers. You know maybe it's reserved for the crazy spiritual people who love to stand up and prophesy and pray in tongues you know maybe zeal and passion for god is reserved for them maybe zeal he's not here today i was going to say maybe zeal is meant for simon beard in prayer when he's praying a 30 minute prayer and he's just pushing after god but he's not here simon so maybe zeal in our church is just meant for simon in, in, in the prayer space it's not but you get the idea god wants to awaken zeal for himself within our church. So what is zeal? I'll first start with what is passion? Passion is any great or strong or or large emotion that you feel towards something. It's an emotional response that rises within you that may or may not cause action. Zeal, I love this definition. Zeal is fervor, tireless devotion for a cause. Fervour, tireless, devotion for a cause. It's a very big difference between zeal and passion. I bet you're thinking, well, why do we, you know, why do we need to be tireless? Why do we need to have fervour for a cause? For those of you that don't know, our slogan for our church is Catalyst Church, a revolution of love. And we're taking on this slogan this year and we're unpacking it and we're looking at what does it mean? How do we live as a people, as a group, as a revolution of love? How do we live as a revolution of love? And I would like to suggest today that to live as a revolution of love, we need to be a people that are full of zeal. To become a revolution of love. To practice the ways that Jesus lived, to be a healthy family on mission, we need to have zeal for the Lord. That is greater than circumstance, that is greater than the fruit that we see, that is greater than everything that is going on in our lives. In Matthew 26 is one of my favorite stories in scripture. One of my absolute favourite stories in Scripture. It is by far, in my opinion, one of the most offensive stories. It is by far one of the most beautiful stories. And it, in my mind, it is one of the greatest examples of zeal for God. In Matthew 26.6, when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table but when his disciples saw it they were indignant saying why this waste for this fragrant oil might have been sold for much more and given to the poor but when Jesus was aware of what they were saying he said to them why do you trouble the woman for she has done a good work for me For you have the poor with you always, but me, you do not always have. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. And assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. There are so many implications that this story has. There are, there are so many little things that we, we don't pick up by just plainly reading the text. The, the estimate of what this, this woman's oil was costing, I think they say it was like three or 400 denarii, which back then is like a lot of money, like a lot, a lot of money. It's equivalent to like thousands and thousands of dollars for us today. This woman wasted thousands of dollars in one action, to anoint Jesus. Another thing was in that time, women were not outcasts of society. However, it was not acceptable for women to eat or to sit at a table with men or to be at a table with men. And so this woman who comes to anoint Jesus, she goes against what culture says and, and what culture dictates in that moment, ignores that, and goes and anoints Jesus. It doesn't seem like much, but it is everything to her. You know, prior to them eating together at the house of Simon the leper, they had a story that's in in the Gospel of Luke, which fits in the timeline, is that Jesus is riding on the donkey and the people are lining the streets and they're throwing their clothes down on the streets and they're they're saying, I'm going to paraphrase words, but they're crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy. Here is our King. Here is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they're praising Jesus because he is entering the city. Like They've recognised, his followers have recognised that Jesus is King and they're worshipping Christ as he enters. And the Pharisees are standing from afar or they're standing around and they question, like, why do these people worship King Jesus in this way? Why do they exalt his name in this way? And Jesus replies to them and says, surely the moment that they would stop singing, the rocks will cry out. The moment they stop, the rocks will cry out. And so the Pharisees miss, they, they miss what the people have. A short time later, we come to this story and we see an act of worship, a beautiful Holy, pure act of worship is looked down upon by the very same people who were worshiping Christ as he entered the city. The same people that were crying out in that moment when the Pharisees questioned why they were crying out, the very same people who worshipped their king were too familiar in that moment to recognize the act of worship that this lady had made. You say, I think familiarity kills zeal. Familiarity kills zeal. We become so accustomed to the fact that the presence of God lives inside of us that we forget to thank him for the fact that he chose us. We become so accustomed to the fact that he's moving in our lives and that there's miracles taking place and lives are being transformed that we forget to realise that it's not about the miracle at all, but it's about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who's performing the miracle. We become so accustomed with the words that is in this book that we take it for granted in our lives. Familiarity kills zeal. Familiarity kills zeal. I I want you to just close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. Last night I was thinking about this and I I just started crying. I just started weeping as I realised how I take for granted the fact that God lives inside of me. The God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who parted the seas for Moses. The God of Isaac, Jacob, the God of Joseph, the God of David, who killed Goliath, the God of Daniel, who closed the mouth of a lion, the God of Jonah, who carried him in a whale, the God of Peter, the God of the lepers who were cleansed, The God of the woman of the issue of blood, who was instantly healed by touching the hem of his garment. The God who made the guards sleep in the jail where Peter and John were trapped. The God who broke the chains that were tied to their wrists so that they could walk out. The God who blinded Saul on the road to Damascus and gave him a call. the God who expanded his kingdom and chose people that weren't his own, that chose people that were Gentiles, the God who raised Christ from the dead, that God who saved you, who chose you, who loves you, who works for you in your life, who makes the miracles happen, the God who brings healing, the God of restoration, the God of the anointing, the God who chose you to be a temple, lives inside of you, loves you, chooses you, uses you. The same God. He's not a different God. same God. And I don't know about you, but I repented real hard last night. Real hard. Because I had become so accustomed to a relationship and the knowledge of God that it did not move me to be so passionately filled with zeal. But I just had accepted it and taken it for my own. Let us not become so familiar with his goodness. Let us not become so familiar with his mercy, with his grace, that we forget to remember that he is the all-powerful, almighty, alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the author, the perfecter, the saviour of us. Let us not become familiar with that. Let us not become familiar with that. If you were in the same position as the woman with the glass, with the jar of oil, would you have done the same that she had done? Ask yourself that question. Would I have done the same that she would have done? Would I have ignored the rules of that time? Would I have ignored the culture of that time? Would I have wasted thousands and thousands of dollars just like she had done? And it's okay if your answer is no right now. My answer was maybe last night. But our answer should be yes. Our answer should be yes. You see, if we want to become a revolution of love and and whether you call catalyst home or not, you don't have to take it on as your slogan. But as as disciples of Christ, we are called to be love. And so if, if we as a people, as a collective people, are to be a revolution of love filled people, people filled with zeal. We have to be willing to pay the same price that this lady paid in Matthew 26. We have to be willing to pay a price that may not be thousands of dollars, but it may be your dignity. It may be your honour. It may be the image that you have. It may be what your friends think of you. It may be what people on the street call you crazy. It may be the opinion of a homeless man who you've asked to pray for and he keeps saying no. But there there is a cost that we need to be willing to pay. Let us not become so familiar with the power, the presence, the grace, the love of God that we forget that it's the reason why we are a revolution of love. You know, we, we don't want to become a revolution for the sake of seeing the fruit. God, let us never become fixated on the fruit let has never become fixated on the end result. Because what happens if that end result isn't there? Well, are we going to still be a revolution? Are we still going to be a people that choose love, that live love, if there's no result of what comes from our love? The perfect example is Jesus dying on the cross. The ultimate act of love there ever was. The ultimate act of zeal that there ever was. Christ died for you and I, not knowing whether or not we would choose him. He said, hey, I'm going to love you with everything that I have. Hey, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice for every single person that's on this earth, whether or not they choose me. He wasn't fixated on the result. We aren't going to become a revolution based on the fruit that we see, but we will be a revolution based on how much zeal we have for God, based on how much passion that we have for God, based on how much action we do, based on how much we love. And that's loving your neighbor as much as it is loving Jesus. Can I tell you one of the most infectious things for people to see is the way that we love God, but also the way that we love others. It has to be a twofold thing. It doesn't work if we don't love Jesus, but we only love our neighbor. Or We only love Jesus and we don't love our neighbor. That doesn't work. It's not an either or, it's a both and. It's a both and. Let us be a people that don't become accustomed to the familiarity of Christ and his ways and his power. But let us be a people that live consumed by zeal for God consumed by our love for God, convinced of who he is and remembering that in everything that we do. Would you stand? I want to pray for you this morning. I want to create a moment before I pray for you to respond. If you if you feel like, oh, I, I feel like I've taken God for granted. I feel like I've become so accustomed to his presence that I've become too familiar with who he is and and what he does in my life, that that I take it for granted and and I've lost my zeal for God. I wanna pray for all of us this morning that we would increase in our zeal for the Lord, but first I wanna create an opportunity for us to repent, myself included. So would you just stretch out your hands this morning? And I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna just leave a couple of minutes for you to do some business with God, whatever it is that you need to do. And so Father, As a collective body, we stand here before you. God, and we open up our hearts, we open up our minds this morning. God, we repent. God, for familiarity. God, we repent for being so accustomed to your presence. God, we open ourselves up to you. Just take a couple of moments. God, we pray that as we increase in our knowledge of who you are, that familiarity would decrease and that our zeal, our passion and our love for you would increase. Holy Spirit, would you come and do a work in our lives? Holy Spirit, would you come and rest on us? Would you light a fire in our hearts this morning? Would you create a passion so deep inside of us? God, would you increase our zeal for you this morning? God, increase our zeal for you this morning. Father, enlarge our hearts for you this morning. God, enlarge our minds for you this morning. God, enlarge our action for you this morning. Father, it's not by our strength, it's not by our might or our power, but it is by your spirit. And Father, we just ask for an increased level of your spirit to rest on us this morning for the increase of zeal. God, would you awaken your church to have further and greater zeal for you. Father, that we would walk down the street and that we would just ooze your presence. Father, that we would walk down the street and we would ooze your love. God, increase our zeal. God, you are faithful. Enable us to be faithful in return. Increase our zeal as morning, God. Not for our sake, not for the sake of fruit, but God, for the sake of heaven on earth, for the sake of the growth of your kingdom. Greater than catalyst, greater than youth for Christ, greater than our cities, God, greater than this nation. That the whole earth would know of your goodness. That the whole earth would know of your mercy. The whole earth would know of your grace. Because of the people in this room that said yes this morning. Because of the people in this room that said yes to being a church. Awakened in seal this morning. God, would you do it in me? Would you do it in us? For the sake of the world. And God, to bring honour and glory to your name. Amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you to do this together. It's really hard to have zeal alone. It's really easy to have zeal when there's a group of 20 people or 30 or 40 people that are running in the same direction. So this week, whatever it may be, I'll text someone and be like, hey, like, I'm wanting to step out and do this. Can you encourage me it? Hey, I'm wanting to step out and do this. Do you want to do it with me? Let's be people that encourage each other not to familiarity but that we encourage each other to grow in our zeal for God amen